0: Pull up a chair, grab a drink. This might take a while. Okay. All right, so uh, let's just jump right into it. Um, my Wait,
1: are you taping already?
0: Oh, right, yeah, I should mention that I am recording this. I think I'm legally okay. obligated to do so.
1: Legally, you have to mention that.
0: Legally, I am absolutely recording you. Okay. Okay, cool.
1: I just want it to sound sexy. All
0: right, well, we can do some heavy breathing if you want to start off that way.
1: No, no, just uh, let's get
0: right down to it. All right, cool. Well, my first question is sort of like a conceptual one. It, 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 it's probably something you get a lot uh, in regards to the meat stuff, and I know you don't want to spend a lot of time on that. But the first question is what, what on earth would possess you and a bunch of other seemingly reasonable people to run around naked uh, throwing things at each other and the audience and, and being otherwise violent and, and silly on stage? Can, can you talk to a little bit about the mindset that produced that, or if there is any, if it's the wrong question, uh, kind of just fill us in a little bit on that.
1: Um, well, I don't really think it was planned so much. Um, I was kind of doing my thing, which was just bleeding on my own in my basement. <laughs> and then I kind of met Dan, and I told him I had that talent, and he asked me to come play with them. And whatever, we were all 20 and 21, and so I think it came a lot out of that. You know, like, woohoo, we're 21. And then um, I think, I don't know, like it wasn't ever specifically planned out. Dan was just like, hey, you should come do this, and so I went and did it. And the first show that I played with them at was at um, that Quarters Bar show that Dan always talked about. Oh the, which the, by the way he totally got his chronology wrong but you know that's fine because that's the type of person that dan is he doesn't he doesn't ever he he only cares about himself so he doesn't all but, right um, very good yeah that that show i played with them but i couldn't drink then because i was only 20 and
0: oh I just, right that's that's illegal
1: well yeah i i'm kind of a coward and so i didn't drink and then um that was the one where they like all had to leave in a hurry because they got kicked out and i just kind of left right after that because i was bleeding from the head makes sense and so um to get back to your question i think it was just not all that planned out i think dan wanted to do something silly i was mad at my dad and had all kinds of aggression problems so i was kind of before I hooked up with Dan and them, I had this basement, and we would just DJ in it with all these guys, and our friends would come over, and I would just get all crazy and smash stuff on my head. and I probably had the wrong heroes growing up, so
0: And uh, who were those? I mean, uh, I imagine you know a, a young stunt rock sitting around looking at G.G. G. Allen films and, and planning this all out, but it sounds like it all just came out of nowhere. But uh uh you had some inspiration from your heroes in regard to this this craziness?
1: Well, I just like I had I dropped out of art school and I had to move back home ah. and I got all depressed. That was like right after high school. Mm-hmm. And so during that time I sort of I thought my I well I think I thought my life was over, I don't know, but I was whatever, my parents were mad at me and I'd blown a bunch of money and I was doing like I don't know, over the counter prescription drugs or whatever. I know those are two different things, but
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I
1: don't remember what I was doing. Just all kinds of stuff. And yeah, like I would look at GG G. Allen and people like that and he was kind of a hero, but not not totally.
0: Right. Kind of a shitty he, shitty hero if you uh pardon yeah. that terrible pun.
1: I I think one night we were just fooling around on the microphone and I started smashing it on my head. And realized that I was really good at bleeding, like I wouldn't freak out, I had a good flow, or I don't even know if that's a a quality
0: Uh or an
1: ability or talent, but somehow I decided I was good at it.
0: More of a viscosity, but yeah, yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, oh, and then we would go to parties and drink our pee, that was one of our tricks, me and this other guy. Okay. It was like our party trick, Uh and so then I wound up doing that in the meat days as well
0: well that's that's a marketable skill what uh these basement parties sound intriguing i, I haven't heard anything at all about them aside from uh, that that one picture of you lying lying on the tile floor there. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the just the types of music that went on there? Was this proto rave stuff? was this all you know hard metal or tom Jones records or or you know speak speak a little about, about, about that perhaps
1: Well, for me, that was just my my breeding ground Okay, um, you know and in Zion it's a small town but my friend Jerry and I would go to Chicago get records get all kinds of you know jungle and early hardcore and stuff like that this is like 1996 and 97 okay. so it's not like that early in the rave scene it's kind of late but whatever we're from the Midwest That's and right. then I had another friend who was all into techno and shit like that and then, you know, we were all into metal and stuff, and we would just, it was just kind of like all types of shit. Okay. And the guy whose basement it was in, his parents were always out of town. And, uh, yeah, it just kind of happened. But, it you know, like went on for two summers, and it was just a bunch of friends hanging out. Sometimes, like, a chick would show up. I'm sure you've been in similar situations.
0: Yeah, my, you know, my, I had the same experience growing up. In the middle of nowhere, there's nothing to do that doesn't involve, you know, violence or stupidity. That's even right. remotely entertaining, so you have to be creative at one of those two things.
1: Yeah, and kind of after those parties, you know, I decided I had to meet chicks, and since I live in a shithole in Illinois, all the girls my age were away at college, So I had to figure out a way to meet, like, high school girls, so I started hanging out with all the local high school bands, and then I would try to book shows and play with them as, well, yeah, I was going to stunt rock then, and, you know, I would just, like, do something with a sampler and a turntable and try to act um, artsy or something.
0: Shocking and, and, and new?
1: Yeah, whatever it took to get in the pants.
0: Very nice. How, how effective was that overall?
1: Uh, not very.
0: Excellent. I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one who's uh, not, not winning in that game.
1: Uh, it hasn't been effective my whole career. I can't speak for other people who might be more ladies men than myself, but uh, it's never been very effective for me at all. Right. Ever. Not once.
0: Well, I'm so glad you've stuck with it, nevertheless. So, th- you know, that brings up the issue of your career and uh, uh, aside from the, the, the wonderful mention in Entertainment Weekly, every, every single piece of research I've done has said something different about who you are, what you do, or what, what, you know, what your career even is. Is it you know, a stand-up comic? Is it a, a breakcore producer, or a you know, general producer, or a, a, a DJ, or a, a graphic designer? I mean, what is, what is stunt rock to stunt rock? What do you see that as?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess when I, you know, anything I do, I don't really know. I think it's just kind of everything. Okay. Like the the stand up, I just was doing it under the name Stunt Rock, but now I'll just kind of do it under my real name if and when I feel like doing it again. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just turned into something, you know, over the years. And when I first started to do the Regret stuff, I was trying to do it under alternate names because I thought that was uh, cool or I thought that the stunt rock name was, you know, dumb. But now I kind of like it.
0: Yeah, well, it it definitely sticks in the brain. But I got to say, speaking as a radio DJ, one of the things I have to do is write down the artist name and the track name of everything I play. And I've, huh. I've wanted many times to ask you, what, what in God's earth are you trying to prove with these track names? Uh, what, is, there a, <laughs> is that a, a, well, an in-joke I'm missing, or is there some sort of message in there, or is it just you know, on its face what it is?
1: I think before I thought that I could do stand-up comedy, I had funny thoughts, because you know, the music's always been kind of humorous. Absolutely. So I had all these other funny kind of thoughts, That I would write down. And then I always hated, like, I hate Dan's song titles and, like, Venetian Snores and all those other people. Like, they're really bad song titles. So, you know, like, Dan always names his songs one word. Yeah. And it just, I found it really boring. And then I always kind of just thought it would be funny to do that. And that's what I did.
0: Well, it's absolutely distinctive because there's no one else aside from maybe, you know, NemoTech or kids like that who are probably biting on the style, that that use that aspect of, you know, the, the form creatively. Uh-huh. So that that's kind of cool. So there's no, you know, secret coded message in these 23-word song titles that I should be trying to figure out?
1: Absolutely not. But yes, I will admit some of them do get a little out of hand. I,
0: I, I got to say, it is an extreme example of what it is. So in that, it, it, it speaks for itself. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's get back to the stand-up comedy a little bit. I had a chance to catch a little bit of that at your show in uh, New Brunswick a few years ago. Um, what show was that? Uh, Machine's Basement. Oh, there?
1: in Machine's Basement. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: Yes, I believe uh, I offered you some whiskey and you gave me the evil eye and I, I ran away scared after that.
1: Oh, sorry.
0: No, no, no. It, it was a good time. It was a great show. Ah. so uh,
1: Didn't I shave my chest at that show?
0: Uh, I remember getting there, I remember the bottle of whiskey, I remember that you and Dormouse were on the flyer, further than that, it's kind of, kind of, kind of furry in the head.
1: Okay. For some reason I remember shaving Duran Duran Duran's body along with my own.
0: Yeah, actually, there was a razor, or a trimmer or something going on there.
1: Hmm, okay, anyway.
0: So, what? So you- uh, quick, qu- the quick version of the question is, what's the deal with the stand-up? You think you're funny or something?
1: Uh, Well, I've always hated playing live, and I never really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And when we did our first tour of the West Coast in, like, 2002, I think it was. Okay. I think that's when it was. I was trying to figure out something fun to do, so I was kind of trying to tell jokes and shit like that.
0: So this is kind of trying to address, like, for example, I saw Ron Decor post something on MySpace that's like you know watching a laptop musician play live is like watching dog shit dry uh-huh. so that's that's what you were trying to get at, what you were trying to address,
1: yeah, because Dan had this thing where he would like jump around and be uh whatever uh, whatever his stick is, like being an excited person
0: right, and that's really and hard to follow i I'd, I'd have to imagine,
1: yeah. And I, where, you know, I have a drinking problem. I don't like being out with people. I don't like people. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a misanthrope. And so I decided, like, I needed something. And so I just kind of started telling jokes. Then it kind of grew over the year, years. And um, I have, like, a playful fan base, as it is, you know, that like to yell at me. So right. it just kind of turned into that.
0: So it... it- I, I thought I detected, like, especially in the YouTube clips or whatever, where it's just the the uhs and the ahs stuttering there, sort of like an anti-humor in there.
1: Oh, yeah, by the way, you have to edit all the ums out of this conversation. But
0: um, Yeah, that's and the swears, too. It's going to take a fucking hour.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, those were, like, I put those on YouTube. You know, like, I edited edited those down, and I just, I thought it was funnier to show... That than to show actual jokes.
0: Right, right, because right.
1: The whole problem with comedy, and, you know, I, like last year, I was trying to go to open mics and stuff in the Chicago area, and I kind of gave up on that because it's really pointless. Yeah. But once you post a joke and people see that joke, you can't do that joke anymore. Okay. So I've done stand up without a laptop, just as a stand up performance. Twice now, well, actually three times. Twice with an audience. <laughs> okay. And that's when I play with the collections of colonies of bees. Okay. At their various shows in the areas.
0: That's like a rock and band. What's that? That's that's a, a standard rock type band.
1: Uh, it's like math rock or like music for fucking dorks.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, compared to the Attic Distort stuff, it's it's you know pretty standard.
1: Yes, but um, Emotional Joystick and Press Board from some of the early attic comps are both in that band.
0: Oh, okay. I didn't know that. That's cool.
1: Yeah, so that's how. That's why I roll with them, ah. because they're, they're friends. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, playing those gigs, just doing the stand-up, it was fun, and I would manage to do like 10 minutes each time, and I think if you watch the two shows, I got better at not saying... Um, which was helpful.
0: That, that's that's a, a very difficult thing to do. Uh, that, that killed me the first, like, three years I was on the radio. It, it's pretty, uh, pretty terrible listening to those old tapes. You, you, yeah. It,
1: In a way, I made those clips just to help me.
0: To, uh, to point them out so mm-hmm. that you're aware of them next time it happens. Right. Cool. So uh, the, let's talk about the regret stuff. I know uh, those are some of the coolest things I've heard in a while. I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to buy them yet, but uh, I, I will be sending you some some, uh, some hard-earned cash as soon as I get some. But uh, they seem to be a, a panoply of different medias all jammed into one package. Is that some some sort of dig on dance music that just comes on 12 inches and has nothing else for the fans? Uh, Can you talk a little bit about either the inspiration or the motivation behind that?
1: Um, Well, because I, like, draw and stuff like that and do illustration and do the comedy stuff, I was trying to figure out a way to incorporate it all together. And the first way I came up with was, like, oh, do a zine and a CD. And this is, like, when the first Regret came out. I think it was, like, 99 or 2000. Yeah. And the the booklet for that one is, like, really, really crude and just, like, slapped together. It was almost an afterthought that I threw it all together. It was, like, fake love letters and stuff like that.
0: In the true spirit of zines.
1: Right. But then by the second one, I was, like... You know, I kind of liked it, and I wanted to do something a little better, so I tried to do a bigger book. I threw stickers in, a button, and crap like that. And now with this new one, I got way out of hand, and, you know, I financed it all myself, and it's like, shit, there's a a tennis record, a CD, a huge book, all kinds of crap in it, and you know, I went ridiculously over budget, but I'll never make my money back anyways, and but to me, I'm really happy with it. This new regret is like the best thing I've ever done, in my opinion.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't release it if you didn't think that.
1: Oh, I've released plenty. I don't think it's the best thing I've ever done.
0: Well, (laughs) all right. The natural follow-up to that is, uh, which ones are those?
1: Uh, Those would be the venetian Snares split cd uh
0: the CLFSTF canada right. f america yeah. one okay
1: um because he just kept begging me and begging me to do it with him and i'm like no i don't have time and <laughs> you know how these fan like fanboys can be and he just wouldn't leave me alone
0: oh yeah and, oh yeah
1: and um plus if that would have been better then maybe i would be uh more successful instead of the failure that i am okay But uh, Venetian Snares actually bought himself two copies of Regret 3.
0: Oh, wow. So he must really like it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, that one is subpar, and um, Regret 2 sucks. Okay. Um, Regret 3 I'm still up in the air about, but I have to act like I like it so I can sell copies of it to people.
0: Well, that's right. That's how you do uh, music, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I'm kidding. I like it, Uh, but yeah, there's just some bad stuff back in the day, back in the early, early days.
0: And do you attribute that to the uh, the 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 situation you were in at the time, or your technical prowess, or, or, I mean, I suppose that's a terrible question. Why why did your album suck? Uh, You know, (laughs) that's that's probably
1: just like at the time being a little misguided and perhaps technical prowess. Okay, I mean. I, it can be considered technical prowess because I've been using the same program to make my music since I started.
0: Well, this is a question I know everyone on the internet is going to want to ask. What what program? You know what hardware? What knobs? You know what settings do you use? Can you talk a little bit about you know the 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 mechanics of your process?
1: Um, I use a wave editor that only works on old Macintosh computers that run operating system nine
0: is that sound editor two
1: yeah well sound edit
0: oh that was a great program something like that yeah i remember when that came out
1: yes um and the only advantage of it is that you can have multiple layers and that's the only thing that's allowed me to be able to do music but that's all i use so and then there's a vcr hooked up to it
0: so how do you get uh, like the breaks and stuff that was on like uh I forget the really super well produced ultra awesome yada 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 album there There was a lot I mean everything
1: is from a sample Okay Whether I have to sample one of Dan's records to get a stupid you know drum break that's overused anyways so it's not Dan's either Right Or you know like stamp, you know like I just have my VCR hooked up to the computer and I just sample all day long And or you can kind of generate like some bass tones with it that's why some of my music has like real cheesy bass tones because that's what you can generate with sound edit right. but yeah all the all, you know like once in a while you'd find like one of those stock drum CDs and you know use that yeah. and work from that but I don't have any of that technical stuff like the machines that people use
0: so uh, it seems to me that's intentional on your part, or you're just avoiding having to read all those manuals?
1: Um, I don't know anything about music to begin with. Okay. I never have. Over the years, I've figured out a little bit. But I, like I had, you know, my friend had one of those groove boxes or whatever, and I'd always try to screw with it, but I just, I didn't get it.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm like a, I'm a cut and paste person. Okay. Get it in front of me, and I can see it, and I can cut it, paste it, you know, put it here and there, and that's that's how I flourish.
0: And and it seems to work. Uh, You know, I like it. Um, And that that also leads into my next question. Uh, You have a a beta blog that talks in more depth about worse movies than I've ever heard about. (laughs) Uh, Where where do you get them? How do you find out about this stuff? And uh, why do you like why 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 do you hate good movies like Three Hundred and Sparta?
1: (laughs) Well, okay. All growing up, my dad had this Betamax player, and in 1979 or whatever, when he bought it,
0: it was pretty. It was
1: like two thousand dollars, right? So my entire childhood, this beta, like I couldn't touch it. It was the most valuable thing in the world. Don't touch my tapes, you know, stuff like that.
0: Kind of like the uh, the car in Ferris Bueller?
1: Sure, except we're talking about a Betamax machine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that... And,
1: you know, my dad's one of those guys where, if you remember back in the, like, late 80s, if you wanted a, a videotape, you had to pay, like, $80 for it.
0: Yeah, they were ridiculous. He
1: would do that. Like, he bought Cool Hand Luke and... Some Jimi Hendrix movie, and those were his tapes, and you couldn't touch them. Right. But, so, as I got into high school, I knew I had the Betamax, and that's when Blockbuster, you know, we're talking mid-90s, mm-hmm. Blockbuster started running out all, running out of business all the old non pa video stores. Okay. So me and this other friend of mine would always go and buy up their Betamax, just because at that point we were into shitty movies, And we we were comic book nerds, so this was just another extension of that. Right. And eventually, like, all those stores came and went. I had maybe 100 back then. Um, And then in the early 2000s, I really started to, you know, like, eBay it and stuff like that. And I would buy these huge lots on eBay. And now I have, like, it's almost 900.
0: Wow. All Betamax.
1: All Betamax.
0: Wow, so would you say that then your source material is directly predicated on 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 uh, globalization crushing local businesses? <laughs>
1: I guess a bit. I mean, the whole like all my samples being exclusively from Betamax. Uh-huh. That kind of didn't start until you know around when I was working on Stunt Rock Volume Three, and I just realized that this you know was my my destiny to. Be the controller of the
0: Betamax. All right. So, uh, talk about uh, some some new new finds in that uh, area. I mean, I, I suppose we can just send people to your blog. That's at. Uh, let me click around here. Well, why don't why don't why don't you tell us what the the URL oh, is? Oh, where there. it is? Yeah.
1: It's um, Dowie D O W I E partners.com slash beta blog. Okay. And um I mean it kinda started because of that basic question you'd ask. Like friends would come over and be like, So what what's been good lately? And I'd be like, Oh well this one was funny and I just kinda decided, you know, fuck it. I should start reviewing them online. And it has since snowballed. Like I thought it was gonna be like one or two a month when I felt like it, but now I've got my friend Steve proofreading them, and I was doing two a week. But then uh, at the end of December, I, I, I'm on vacation right now. Oh, okay. But it'll be back, I swear.
0: All right, I believe you. I, I can't wait to read more stuff.
1: But I wish, like, people don't comment as much, and so I have no idea how many people are reading it. And it's really a lot of work because you take a 80-minute teen sex booby comedy from the early 80s, Okay, yeah. I have to watch it, I have to analyze, I have to do a plot summary, I have to take screen captures. If it has a really good song for a soundtrack, I have to rip it to MP3. Then I have to research the movie poster. So one 80-minute shitty movie can take me like four or five hours to do.
0: Uh, I I think that's that's... That's some sort of weird retribution on your psyche for the, the terribleness of the movie impacting, you know, cultural consciousness or something.
1: I think that this might be it.
0: Uh, I think that's wonderful.
1: But yeah, it's, um, let's see, anything good recently? Well, on that newest post, I talked about a movie where I saw Margot Kidder's Bush.
0: That That's not something most people can say they've seen. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, no one, and no one really wants to see it. <laughs> I do have one movie. I don't know when I'm going to review it, okay. but I've watched it before. Okay. It has um, Marsha Brady's boobs in it.
0: Awesome. Wow. I'm,
1: I'm not even going to disclose the title, but someday I'll get to reviewing it.
0: That That's a heck of a cliffhanger. You're going to get about 5,000 hits from that alone.
1: Well, five.
0: Well, you know, eh, plus or minus, There's there's definitely at least one person listening. Um, so, so uh, movies brings up uh, sort of a, a question I've always wondered about. Did you choose the, the name Stunt Rock because you love the movie or because it'd make your music harder to Google for?
1: Um, that's actually a pretty funny story. Okay. When I was in the middle of doing all this band stuff, playing with these bands, I was playing under some other name it was either like there were a couple different names I was using but my friend that I collected all the Betamax with he somehow scored a copy of the movie Stunt Rock and I put it away and didn't really think about it and then oh that's what it was on my first tape I had just written this is Stunt Rock Volume 1 and that's what I had given to Dan Uh and he just he started calling me that because he thought that was the name because apparently the package wasn't laid out well enough for him.
0: Okay, so this was before you had seen the movie or heard of the movie?
1: Um, no, I had the movie at that point.
0: Oh, Okay, okay. And
1: I was calling it, you know, I was more saying that was the style of music it was, but then it just became the name.
0: That, that's what I had always figured, that, you know, stunt rock was a name for, you know, the collection of tricks and cliches all jammed into as small a package as possible. hmm Cool. All right, so I have, uh, I have some questions from some from the uh, the peanut gallery here on the Internet. Okay,
1: do you want any more about
0: meat? Uh, yeah, lay it on me. What do you got?
1: Well, I mean, what else, need I'm trying to think what Dan didn't really cover.
0: Uh, well, I think that you sort of laid out the whys, um, and that was my main, main question, you know, why people would, uh, mm-hmm. get together and do this. Um, but, I, I you know, I would, uh, I would certainly wonder in the aftermath of all of this, does it seem like there was more going on subliminally at the time? Like, you know, all of these influences coming together and again, you know, uh, the, the, group of influences in terms of your musical taste at the time if you could sort of address that, that was a- I,
1: don't, I don't think that um, we were really like I didn't think it would come to this where years and years later it would still be talked about because I don't know that any of us were thinking and it was kind of pre-internet so no one had a MySpace page we had a really basic Attic Records page you know that announced when there might be a show there wasn't this whole like digital photography thing going on that's why like i've had to post on message boards trying to get pictures together and stuff and everyone's lazy and no one gets them to me and right all that stuff so you know it it's just kind of it just kind of happened and in the aftermath of it like it's more funny than anything else because we're just kind of goofing
0: off. Right. Well, it seems like the perfect antidote to what you were talking about. Like, you know, when you go to a show and every sneeze that a guitarist does is on 13 different cell phone cameras and the, yeah, I don't want to say destructive effect that has on culture, but certainly, like, it makes everything more prone to be categorizable. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at that as a social phenomenon, like... You want to find, like, the opposite of that, and that that seems to be exactly what Meat was.
1: And let's also not forget that we were kind of, at that point, we were dealing with the rave scene, so we were kind of like the the anti-rave scene to that, because we would have to play at big rave festivals and and things, but we didn't really have anything to do, or want anything to do with that.
0: So you're saying you don't have a shrine to Frankie Bones in your home?
1: No, not anymore.
0: It was lost. Oh, uh, that's too bad. Years ago. So so, uh, it seems you've done a lot of uh, uh, thinking, I mean, I suppose everyone has, about why the rave scene wasn't, why it didn't work. I mean, uh, can you uh, clarify your comments on that? Like, what were your main complaints about it? And uh, sort of fit that in to what you just said, how Meat was fighting against that.
1: Um, I mean the whole the whole attic camp was kind of fighting against that. I'm not sure why. Probably just to agitate. Okay. But um, you know it's it's kind of like in school how there's the the popular kids and then the, the nerds. And if you had to look at the rave scene as as a high school, we were kind of the nerds and the outcasts. Now why we were there in the first place, I don't know. Maybe because Dan was a good DJ or something. But I didn't have. Oh, and we're—they like, were all like beer drinkers, right? Whereas the ravers were pill poppers. Yeah, not that there weren't a bunch of pill poppers, you know, in that with us as well. But it was just more the 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 lowbrow versus the highbrow.
0: So in this in this example, the rave scene would be the highbrow. Yes, that's that's a historic statement, I think.
1: And we were certainly—I mean. For years and years, I had to explain this to my mom because she'd go, "You're going to those raves? I I saw one of those on Fox News, and they said a girl died from ecstasy." Like she'd always pronounce the drugs wrong. Oh yeah. That... Or like, or go, "I know what it's like to smoke weed," and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> but so for years, I tried to explain to her, like, "Mom, we're like, we're not about all that. We're about different things," and she never got it, but.
0: I would have to imagine that explaining that to her and then coming back covered in blood would sort of harm your argument a little bit.
1: Well, uh, none of them really knew that stuff was going on. I just wore a hat a lot of the time. Oh, all right. And uh, unlike Dan, neither of my parents are supportive of me.
0: Okay. So Like, I,
1: I, I could never bring my dad to a show.
0: Jeez so uh run down the pitch then that you would give to your parents that uh that would explain what you were doing and why you were doing it. I mean, you kinda just did that, but uh you know pretend uh pretend our listeners are your parents
1: I think I would just tell my mom that like you know I'm not stupid and I'm not doing that, and we're more i for some reason when the I saw it I was like saying like. No, we're like the anti-race scene. We're like the punk rock of the rave scene, even though that's the stupidest statement ever. But yeah, it was something along those lines, something to calm her. Or, you know, I was like, we're like the Steely Dan of adult soft rock. And that one, I think she could always understand. Wow. You know, because we were subversive, and she got that. And uh, that, that's about it.
0: So the, the subversiveness didn't didn't go against their better their better judgment their better nature.
1: No, not at all.
0: Good. Well, that. No, I, I, go ahead. No, I was just gonna blather on about some crap.
1: Oh, I mean, I they like they don't until my career was basically top secret yeah. until fucking Google came along and oh, practically ruined my life.
0: I think that's happened to many people.
1: Yeah. And then I had, like, lots of explaining to do. One time I was unemployed, and I lived in my mom's basement again. Uh Uh-huh. And she somehow found my website and was reading my track titles.
0: Oh, Christ. And
1: I remember coming home, and she was, like, sitting upstairs, and she just goes, Bill, why would you name a song, I Can't Believe I Ate You Out? (laughs) (laughs) And, and And, um... I just had to play it off and tell her it was a joke.
0: Okay, so that's uh, that that that's on the record now. Very nice.
1: But yes, once I got the Entertainment Weekly review, which I basically had to pay seven hundred dollars for because Cock Rock Disco and Jason Forrest are cheapskates. Oh wow! Um, they then all of a sudden my dad's like, "Oh, well, tell me more about what to do," and my mom's like, showing it to everyone and. I don't know. That was kind of almost more irritating than having to hide it from them.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. I uh, I can uh, I can feel you on that. I won't go into my own personal experiences with that, but uh, <laughs> that must have been wonderful to invite them into the world of all-night dance parties of death. Right. All right. So we have a couple of questions from the uh, the peanut gallery on the internet here. Okay. Uh, and uh, I think they're about as serious as everything else on the internet. Okay. Uh, my old friend Insect Deli asks: uh, Is cabin fever a great source of Midwestern pride?
1: What is that? Uh, oh, cabin fever? Yeah. What is she talking
0: about? I don't know. I I, I sent out a, a, a plea Did it for say questions. Cabin fever? It says, "Is cabin fever a great source of Midwestern pride?"
1: Uh, yes, I would say yes, it is. Okay. What was I sit at home alone all the time and get cabin fever, and that, that's what spawned some of the most mediocre, mediocre electronic music of the past five years.
0: All right. Well, thanks, cabin fever. Uh, she goes on to ask, uh, What was the field of work or occupation of your earliest known ancestor, and why aren't you following in their footsteps?
1: Um, does she still live in Chicago? Why is she busting my chops?
0: <laughs> I, I believe she does. Oh, okay.
1: Um, I don't know. That's a ridiculous question. How dare she?
0: Okay, and there's more of them.
1: Oh, well, are any of them okay?
0: Um, What dead media format do you believe will be worth embracing for the sake of nostalgia next year? Examples, tapes, magazines, or books?
1: (laughs) Always Betamax until I die.
0: Rock on. So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, I don't know if you want to go in, in, into it, but the, uh, the Stunt Rock $700 to get in an Entertainment Weekly there. And the reason I ask is because I've got $700, and I want to be famous, too. How, how did that end up playing out?
1: Oh, um, well, what it is, is for $700, you get a review in Pitchfork Media, which is a uh, website that tells people how to dress. Never heard of it. But they also uh, review music, and um, then you, okay, so you get that, and you get a review in Entertainment Weekly.
0: And, and <clears throat> where does that money go to? Does that go straight into the coffers of the conspiracy, or is there some sort of middleman in all this?
1: It goes to the PR guy who Rock Disco wouldn't pay for because they were broken in a bunch of debt at the time.
0: Ah, okay. Well, that sounds like a, a wonderful wonderful uh slice of uh musical history there
1: oh i mean it's fine i i you know i'm used to being ripped off and losing money you know 10 years into this thing it's just i'm never gonna make money i'm always gonna have to pay tons of money and even when a pseudo semi-professional label tries to release something you're still gonna have to pay a bunch of money which is why i just uh did regret three myself, had to pay a bunch of money and haven't really seen any of it back. At least then I can just blame myself.
0: Yeah, I have to say, when I when I started getting into releasing music for no good reason, I uh, I looked at it like a zen or a karma thing, like I'm pissing this money away into the ether for hopefully something better in the next life.
1: Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, whatever it takes for you to justify it, I, I don't really mind. And I think Dan said on... Um, his interview that it's just something we're going to do anyways and we'll probably do it forever. And that's just it.
0: All right. So, uh, Oh, here are some more questions. And this is from the, uh, from some jerk in the UK. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, I don't know if you know him, Japes from the, the mew board there. Um, so his first question is how much more mileage can you get from regret? Surely now he's surely he's now covered everything that can be said about doomed relationships, dead end jobs, onanism, uncertainty, depression, alcoholism, nicotine, and music snobbery.
1: <laughs> that would be true, but uh I, I think I could at least get two more regrets out of it.
0: Excellent. Um
1: I mean every regret's been spurned by or started by something else happening in my life and those are always different things, so I'm sure uh, I can just keep doing it.
0: Those are uh those are good uh good background questions there. Would you would you care to go into more detail about the terribly harrowing uh, and painful life experiences that cause you to make these albums?
1: Oh no, like, you know, I'm not the type of person that would like blame one like, oh, this person wronged me or this relationship got fucked up. Like I'm not blaming singular events. I'm just saying like at certain points in my life, it's been a good release for me to do these, you know, because of certain situations, but nothing really specific. Like, like,
0: like at the peaks and the troughs?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. His next question is, do you do all of Addict's artwork?
1: Um, except for the shitty ones, yeah.
0: Was the, uh, was the uh, Making New Friends hoodie, was that you?
1: Yes, it was.
0: I really dig that. I wear that all over the place. It's wicked uh, stained and nasty now, but uh, I love <laughs> Well, the...
1: maybe maybe we'll do more. But, yeah, that just kind of started out because when I started hanging out with Dan, I'm like, well, look, I just shouldn't. It's secretly my label anyways. I just let Dan walk around and act like he it's his label.
0: Ooh, Internet <laughs> dirt. All right. No,
1: he'll even agree. Cool. And so, yes, I've just always done all the art. He just he just decides what to release. Okay. So I guess maybe it's his label.
0: Right. Well. All right. The you know discogs wouldn't lie to me. That's for sure.
1: But I'm like a puppet master, and when he released those Otto von Chirac records, and they didn't sell at all, yeah. I laid it down quick to him.
0: You uh you 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 uh, slapped him around and put him in line.
1: Well, he knows he knows that me and Unabomber are the secret people in charge.
0: The uh the the oh
1: and and anonymous.
0: The the Star Council of Elders in the Shadows there.
1: Right, and we gossip about Dan behind his back and decide which way we want to steer him.
0: Oh, give us some of that, why don't you?
1: Oh, no, that's top-secret conversations, but uh, gotcha. let me put it this way. Um, Unabomber's going to have a record coming out this year, and it's not because of Dan. It's because I talked him into it, because I secretly run the show.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear that. His last one was uh, awesome, i got to say.
1: Uh, it, it takes a lot to get stuff out of him, but he, he's certainly sitting on a bunch. Awesome, I am too. I've got a bunch coming out as well.
0: How, how much? Uh, how much back material do you think you have on your your hard drives right now?
1: It's funny you should ask because I just was cleaning out my sample library, and it was uh, eighteen hundred sample files, and I organized and cleaned them all in the past
0: week. So, but uh, so that's like two EPs worth.
1: Sure, probably. Wow. I mean, I am I might have so many releases, they, you know, like really crappy releases no one cares about this year. They'll call me Dormouse Jr. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, whoops, sorry.
0: Oh, that's good, that's good. Um, yeah. And, and the last question I'm going to ask you is, uh, or that Japes asks, is that uh, do you think you're mellowing with age at all? And he, he points to specifically the latest regret and collection of colonies of bees.
1: Oh, Okay, well, I mean, I'm not in the bees. I just play at their shows. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe people think they're just a rock band, but there are two electronica musicians in that band. Um, but And Dan said this in his interview that he thinks, you know, everyone's kind of mellowing with age, but I am not mellowing with age at all.
0: Excellent. I'm glad. You I heard.
1: still bleed on occasion. All right. I drink uncontrollably by myself. All right. Um, I party. And by that, I just mean party, not anything else.
0: Right, right, right. Um, Party.
1: And, yeah, I haven't calmed down at all. My doctor tried to put me on blood pressure medication, but I didn't go get the prescription filled. So I'm doing just fine. Everyone else is slowing down and being lazy.
0: All right, rock on. So uh, uh, you you mentioned a couple releases, but in terms of the the wideband media stuff, the non music, what what can we expect to see?
1: Well, in the new Regret Three, I'm kind of revamping my CLSST imprint, which was just my label before I teamed up with Addict.
0: Okay. And Regret
1: Three is on. It's a split between the two. Okay. But then I'm going to continue with CLSST doing. Uh, various books and comics and stuff, and I've got a comic I'm working, which basically details my 10 years in underground electronic music.
0: Wow, that's going to be rad.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if I should break it up into a few issues, but... And those will just be cheap, like, couple-dollar things. And then, um... So, yeah, that'll be non-music related. And... Then there'll be music stuff. And Attic has finally decided that we're going to release the DJ Awesome Mix album that has been delayed or hidden since 1998.
0: What is that? I've heard you guys joke about that on the board. but uh... <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a guy who did some music and then disappeared. Okay. And we're finally going to put it out.
0: Uh, wh- Without
1: permission, bootleg style.
0: So this is a DJ mix of other hard electronic stuff, or...? No,
1: it's his own original songs. Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: Wow, well, that uh, that should be uh, fun to see how it plays out. Now, this is a question I, I try and ask everyone, because it's sort of the, uh, the the question of the times, but what's your take on the whole digital media stuff? I mean, obviously, the the Regret compilation compilations or, or releases sort of addresses the whole, like, you know, not wanting to pay $3 for just an MP3 when you could be getting the artwork and everything. Right. But uh, what's what's your, your strategy or your opinion on music fans sort of increased laziness over time or increased cheapness?
1: Well, it, it's hard. And, you know, especially this new regret is really all directed at that. Because you get so much more than just the music that, and i it's actually sold better than I expected. But it's hard these days because people are kind of lazy, and they won't, even if they can just buy it online, they won't go through the stuff steps they need to take. And, you know, like <clears throat> a week after Regret 3 came out, I saw it on that Oink website, mm-hmm. and it's annoying, but, and if someone just downloads the songs from it they're not getting the whole package but what are you going to do you know at least people are still hearing the music and eventually if someone illegally downloads something of yours you will always sometime in the future get them to buy a future release
0: Well, yeah, because they're demonstrating that they want to at least go to the effort of clicking on some crap. Like, you know, if they if it's you know the one or the you know one or ten percent of the stuff they download that they like, you know, it's uh it's like the demo software thing.
1: Right. I I mean I've probably had like twenty or thirty orders for Regret Three, and they all say the same thing. Hey, I downloaded because Regret One's been out of print for like five years, and Regret Two's been out of print for like three years. So I'll say, hey, I downloaded those two, but I wanted to buy this one so you get some money.
0: Cool. So it's, it's
1: And if people can just figure out a way to balance it like that, then it's fine. <clears throat> I'm not going to go back out on tour because I hate touring. Okay. Dan always talks about, like, oh, that's where the real money's at. And it's just like, uh, no, that's where the getting drunk and having a hangover and driving around and having to eat a lot are.
0: Yeah, yeah. So not a big fan of touring, no uh, no world tours in the future for Stunt Rock?
1: Unless I come out of live show retirement, but it's really annoying. Like, when we did go on tour, Dan always set it up, and I just went along. And Then, I mean, it's harder, it's easier to get people to buy your album than to get people to come out to shows, especially, like, in Chicago and stuff. It sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the laziness you're talking about applies to, like, clicking a buy button and then multiply that by a million to get someone to drive somewhere.
1: Right. And that's why, like, I was playing shows in Chicago for a while, and they were my own shows that I was booking and having bands that I liked play. And you just get tired of people going, yeah, I'll be there, and then I'm not being there, and then you have to listen to their excuse and that's why I wrote my fifty reasons why I was retiring. And oh,
0: thanks for bringing that up. Yeah that that I gotta I gotta tell you I found that really funny. Was that intentionally uh, funny or is that your genuine <clears throat> genuine anger?
1: It's genuine, and that's why it's funny. All right, and nobody argues with it. Everyone's just like, "Oh, yeah, okay." <laughs>
0: I mean, you said it. I, I got to concern about my prostate and then I, you know, it, it sort of made me scratch my head. I don't, huh. I don't understand how that fits into the live No, you, you drink
1: a lot and then you have to pee all the time and then you wait till you get around 27 or so. Oh,
0: I'm 27 now.
1: Oh, fuck. Well, it should be starting soon. All
0: right. I'll drink harder so I'll let you know. You
1: just like, sometimes you get a weak stream and then you're like, what the fuck? And, or, you know, and it's tough.
0: any more comments on your prostate I want to fit as many of those in as we can
1: no I did have it checked out though that was a big step and everything's fine I was just I guess I was being a hypochondriac about
0: it was it a guy in an alley because I'll tell you that guy's a rip off he's not actually a doctor
1: no it was my uh, personal physician
0: excellent All right, good to hear
1: we have a very nice relationship now
0: oh did he buy you dinner
1: no not at all he (sighs) did charge me $35 though
0: hey that's a deal
1: yeah, that's what I usually have to pay, 50
0: <laughs> Oh, I think that's a wonderful note to go on. Is there any, uh, you, you've got a platform now to address everyone that's ever Googled for your name uh, in, um, in a recording.
1: I, I don't really have anything else. If you feel you've covered enough of uh, the, the history that you wanted to cover, I think uh, we're good. Awesome. Even though, um, since I do, freelance design on the side, I had a client Google my name, oh. and she's a, she's a nice lady that does children's books, and then and I had a bunch of explaining to her.
0: And, and how, how, did you, uh, how did you explain it to her, and did you get the gig?
1: <laughs> Luckily, she's into artistic expression, ah. and I, sh- I, he- I here's what she said. She goes, oh, I looked at it, it just seemed like silly college stuff.
0: She's, she's uh she's pretty perceptive
1: <clears throat> well it, i mean it's if she would have noticed like a lot of the pictures were from a year ago and if she wants to call that college stuff okay right right but uh yeah so google's not so hot in my book
0: yeah yeah i kind of wish there's a bunch of things i could take off of there myself
1: indeed at least i'm not naked on the internet like dan
0: Oh, well, hey, the, uh, that's not entirely naked. That's There's a, a strategic bottle of syrup there.
1: If you look around, though, there's some naked ones.
0: Oh, great. I got something to do tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in summation, your URLs, where can people go if they want to send you money?
1: Um, it's com slash regret. All right. And uh, send me money. Cool. You too, sir.
0: Uh yeah, I'm actually that's uh I'm going I'm going to cut the interview here. But uh you run the store there, right?
1: Well, you mean the attic store? Yeah. That Dan runs it right now. Okay. And I'm not selling regret through the attic store. Why do you have a complaint about an order you didn't receive?
0: No, I have a complaint about stuff I don't own. Oh, okay. So uh basically I guess we can we can talk about this over email but uh I just found a bunch of money on the road so I have some uh some cheddar to blow. If I send you uh this sizable chunk via PayPal, can you put together an awesome care package for me with all sorts of goodies in there?
1: Yeah, I mean what exactly would you be looking for?
0: Well, I definitely want the regret. Okay. And the rest of it is, you know, I, I I'd say the house selection.
1: Um I mean, what do you have?
0: Um, I think I'm going to have to check my, my own Discogs list there, but I have like a lot of the early stuff, but I don't have, uh, and the, the, the Venetian snares co-release that you hate so much. I have that on MP3, but, um, yeah, it's just the recent stuff that I'm looking for. And also any promotional stuff that you have, like stickers or whatever that I can leave here at the radio station or give away to my listeners, you know, sort of the, the jerk off freebie stuff that people love so much.
1: Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I do have, <clears throat> Dan runs a store, but like a lot of the stock is here with me, so we'll we'll talk it over via email and see what you need.
0: Excellent. All right, cool. Well, Stunt Rock, thanks a lot, and uh, keep on doing what you do.
1: I will. You too. <laughs> Rad. peace. All right, man, bye. Bye.